1 Timothy chapter number 4, and then we're going to go over to 2 Timothy. Grab your Bible, go to 1 Timothy chapter number 4, then we're going to go over to 2 Timothy chapter number 1. 1 Timothy chapter number 4. Will, I kind of like that. Can you keep doing that for a minute longer? 1 Timothy chapter number 4. Yeah, there we go. I might start singing here in a minute. 1 Timothy chapter number 4, verse 12. Then we're going to flip over one page to 2 Timothy chapter number 1. It's going to be a very different uh, Palm Sunday message. We're right in the middle of a, or ending a series called, That's Not Who You Are. And I thought about preparing a Palm Sunday message, and I thought, you know what, I'm not going to do that because the feedback we've gotten from people that the teaching on identity, how it's impacted them, I thought we should stay right here one more Sunday. Is that all right? Said, is that all right? And we'll, we'll, I'll preach an Easter message next week. It's going to be a, a word for you, I believe. But I want to talk about this this morning. First Timothy chapter 4, verse number 12. Let no man despise. Everybody say despise. Say despise. You guys say it a little bit more umph than that. Let no man despise your youth, but be an example of the believers in word, conversation, charity, spirit, faith, purity. Until I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Watch verse 14. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Watch verse 15. Meditate upon these things. Give yourself wholly to them, that your profiting may appear to all. Look at verse 14 again. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Instead, meditate upon these things. Give yourself wholly to them, that your profiting may appear to all. Now flip over one page to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to start reading real quick. We'll start reading with verse number 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God that I served. I thank God whom I served from my forefathers with pure conscience. That without ceasing I have remembrance of you in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. Watch verse 5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that's in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother and in your mother, and I'm persuaded that it's in you also. Watch verse 6 and 7. This is where I want to land. Therefore, I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God which is in you by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear. I need somebody to say amen. 
For God has not given us the spirit of fear. Fear is actually a bad word. You cross it out. He actually says God's not given us the spirit of timidity. Or God's not given us the spirit of intimidation. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, Timothy, stir up the gift that's on the inside of you. Because God's not given you the spirit of intimidation. God's not given you the spirit of fear. But instead he's given you power, love, and a sound mind. Everybody said amen. Amen. I started the entire series from this premise, if you remember, that a sinner is not a sinner because he sins. A sinner sins because he's a sinner. In other words, it's not what he does that's making him who he is. Who he is is driving what he does. Behavior does not create identity. Behavior comes from identity. I was at a conference this past weekend. I was preaching, had to preach three times. There was a young lady that stood up to give her testimony. And she said when she was a little eight-year-old girl, she spent the night at a girlfriend's house, a girl that was in her class. And she said, we were just playing and having a good time. And she said, out of nowhere, this little girl kissed me. I didn't know what to do. She just kissed me. And she said, from that moment, something happened to me that I grew up all of my teenage years thinking I must be gay. That must be why she did that. She said, all through my teenage years, I started sleeping with every boy that I could find trying to shake the notion that I might be gay, trying to prove to myself that I might be gay. Her issue was not her sleeping with everybody. Her issue was what she believed to be true about herself was really a lie. Behind every sin is a lie that somebody has chosen to believe. Are you listening to me this morning? And so whenever I see, whenever I see, let me say this about our church, number one. Let me say this about the church, the church. God does not send people into the church to build the church. For years, leaders have looked at people as disposable items to help accomplish what I dream about. The church is not the people are not sent to a church to help the church build the church. God did not send people to build the church. God sent the church to build people. I'm preaching better than you're amening. Come on, brother Al. We got, we got work to do today, brother. <clears throat> Behavior does not create identity. Behavior comes from identity. Everything that people do, that is what we have a tendency to focus on in the church. That's what we have a tendency to preach on in the church. We will list for people in painful detail all of their sins, right? But we got the big five. We got the big five in Southern Pentecost. Don't drink. Don't have sex before you get married. Don't look at pornography. We never talk to anybody about envy or gossip or offense, or strife, you know, those little things, that's not a big deal, but the Bible says where envy and strife is, there's confusion in every evil work. We never talk about those things. We like to preach about the stuff we know we personally don't struggle with, right? Because that's the only thing we have the moral authority to, to, to proclaim. And so whenever I see people coming into a church, whenever I see God wanting to build people, I'm amazed at how it's not what they have or don't have that's holding them back. It's what they think they have or do not have that is holding them back. Do you remember when the children of Israel went over into Canaan? Remember when they sent those spies? They sent those spies into Canaan, and they came back with a report, and 10 of them said, yes, they are grapes in the land, but look at the giants. 
And then two of them said, yes, they are giants in the land, but my God, you should see the grapes. And then the ten spies, they said this. They said, we were grasshoppers in their sight and in our own sight. It was not sin that kept Israel from Canaan. It was their perception of themselves that kept Israel from Canaan. It was the spirit of fear that told them, you cannot have what God promised you that kept them from Canaan. Can I get a witness from somebody? So we we stumble upon the text in 1 Timothy, and Paul, no doubt, is the most prominent voice in the New Testament outside of Jesus. No doubt about it. Paul had three spiritual sons. I used to give our Bible students a quiz on who could name the sons of Paul. They, nobody knew them, but there are three of them. Timothy, Titus. Y'all don't even know the other one, do you? It's all right. Don't worry about it. Read the book of Philemon. He's in there. Like the book of Philemon. Who's reading the book of Philemon? So Paul's writing to Timothy, and he says this. Let no man despise your youth. But be thou an example of believers, word, conversation, charity, spirit, faith, purity, till I come. Give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is down on the inside of you, but stir it up by way of remembrance. Meditate upon these things. Give yourself wholly to them that your profiting may appear at all. Then he reiterates it in his second letter to Timothy. Timothy, God's not giving you the spirit of fear, but power, love, and summer. So you got to stir up the gift. Now watch, watch. Paul is writing to Timothy. Tim, you have to understand the context in which Paul is speaking to his son. Timothy is a brand new pastor in a city called Ephesus. Ephesus is not, uh, Ephesus back in the day would be equivalent to a Dallas or a New York City. Not, 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 a, not a Cedar Bluff. Not that, okay. Timothy is leading this growing, exploding church in this metropolis as a young man. And he has some elders in the church that are coming and saying, you are not qualified to do this. Simply because of your age. You are not qualified to operate in what you know is on your life because you ain't old enough, you ain't smart enough, you ain't got enough money, you ain't got enough wisdom, you ain't got enough experience. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? Can I say ain't in Knoxville? You ain't got this, you ain't got that. And so they were constantly speaking fear into his life and causing him to despise Now, this is what's interesting about the story. When Paul wants to address Timothy's spirit of fear, Paul did not come in rebuking all of the people talking down to Timothy. Paul knew I cannot control all of the people talking around you. But what I can control is what you say to yourself. Hallelujah. Have you ever watched watched that show on TV? It used to be on TV. I don't know if it is anymore. You ever watched that show, Deadliest Catch? Sinners. You ever watch that show? Y'all, y'all, y'all all right? Y'all all right? You just smile. It's not raining. Jesus, help us. <laughs> We're going to get you out before I-40 gets crazy. Don't worry about it. It's already crazy. You might as well embrace it. You ever watch that show, Deadliest Catch? I used to always be fascinated by the fact, how does that ship in the middle of the ocean, how does that stay afloat? How does that not sink? And then I learned that's how ships are designed. It's not what's going on on the outside of the ship that makes the ship sink. 
It's what, when, it's what happens when what's on the outside of the ship gets on the inside of the ship that it starts to sink. You cannot control what they say about you. You just have to make sure that what they say about you never becomes what you say about you because that's when you begin to sink. Timothy, don't you let them despise you. Oh, let them talk all they want, but make sure that you keep in front of you the prophetic promises that God has spoken over your life. That's why he tells him in the first chapter of 1 Timothy, he says, this is how you go to war, Timothy. You remember the prophecies that God spoke over you. So when they're saying you can't, you just remember God already promised me that I would and that I could. God already told me I was anointed with everything I needed to accomplish everything he assigned me to accomplish. Let no man despise you, Timothy. Let him despise you. Haters gonna hate. Don't let him despise you. Don't let them look down on you. You can't control what they say. You can't fix what they say. You can't adjust what they say. They're going to tell you you ain't smart enough. They're going to tell you you're not pretty enough. They're going to tell you you ain't got enough money or enough education. But make sure the only thing you tell yourself is God already promised me. God already called me. God already prophesied over me. Don't. 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 Let them despise you. That word despise means to disesteem, to look down upon. Don't let them. Yeah, they're going to say what they're going to say, but Timothy, just make sure if nobody else honors who you are, make sure you honor who you are. Because if they don't believe in you, that's fine. Just make sure you continue to believe in you. That's why Paul would say things all the time. He said, I'm an apostle of my own making. I didn't get this revelation from anybody else. I magnify my own office. You got to read Paul in Galatians. That's Paul's first letter. Paul had some swag about him. Paul had some attitude about him. He said, when God called me to be an apostle, I did not go to Jerusalem and ask him what they thought. Didn't need nobody else's confirmation to become everything God's called me to become. Didn't need anybody else to believe in my dream. Didn't need anybody else. Just You have to learn to do what God's called you to do independent of everybody else's support. Don't let them despise you. Because this is what will happen, Timothy. When you let them despise you, when you let them look down upon you, you will start to neglect your gift. That word neglect means to not put the appropriate weight on. You ever had God, you, you ever been sitting at lunch with somebody and God used you to speak to them and you didn't even think you were qualified to be able to speak for God in that way? You're just like, I, they're like, my God, how did God show you that? You're like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what I do. It's what I do. It's who, who I is. You remember, you remember in the, uh, uh, the, the book of Jeremiah when God speaks to prophet Jeremiah and he says, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. Before I called you forth out of your mother's womb, I already sanctified you to be a prophet to the nation. This is what God's telling Jeremiah. The you that you know and the you that I know are two different people. And then he tells Jeremiah, I've set you over nations and over kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down. I've set you over nations and kingdoms to build and plant. And do you know what Jeremiah said? He said, Lord, how can I speak like this? I'm a child. 
And God rebukes him and says, don't you ever say you're a child because I'll put this calling on you. I'll put this mantle on you. And this is who I made you to become. Listen, and then God looks at him and he says, Jeremiah, what do you see? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all know the story? Jeremiah, what do you see? Jeremiah says, I see the rod of an almond tree. If you study the tone of Jeremiah's voice, he's actually surprised at what he sees. God asks him, what do you see? Jeremiah says, I, 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 I see the rod of an almond tree. This is what he's trying to tell us. God was making a demand on a gift inside Jeremiah that Jeremiah didn't even believe he had. That's why the apostles in the book of Acts chapter number four, they said, God, give us the Holy Spirit and boldness. Now, we have taught people for years, when you get the Holy Spirit, you get boldness. And you do get a measure of boldness, there's no doubt about it. But they said, give us the Holy Spirit and boldness. Boldness, there's actually a terrible word, it's actually confidence. Give us the Holy Spirit and confidence. It's not, in other words, this is what he's teaching us. It's not enough for you to be anointed. If you don't believe and have the confidence that that's what's living on the inside of you. I always, people always come to me, well, I, I want to do this for God, I want to do that for God, but, 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 but I don't know. It's just like something. I'll tell you what's holding you back. Fear is holding you back. Fear is holding you back. Do you remember when Peter was in the boat in the middle of the storm and Jesus came walking across the water? Y'all remember that story? Am I, am I by myself? Y'all remember that story? Yes, yes and amen. You remember that story? He's walking, Jesus walking across the water. And what do they say? What's the first thing out of their mouth? It is a spirit. Because it is hard to recognize God when you're in a storm. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. Peter was afraid of the boat. But Peter was also afraid to walk on the water. He was afraid of the problem. But he was also afraid of the solution because fear is holding you back. And so all through, all through Paul writing to his spiritual son, he is constantly hammering the notion that if you allow their voice to be the loudest voice in your ear, you will never become everything God's called you to become. I think I told you this last week. It, uh, I preached so much this week, it all runs together. It's just been one big sermon. But we used to take our Bible college students through an exercise in class. We would make them take out a sheet of paper and write down the five people that influenced them the most. Did I tell you this last week? And they never put themselves. They never put God. Because they allow everybody else to shape and form. You will live up to, listen, you will live up to or down to who you believe you are. You will live up to or down to who you say you are. That's why God is always trying to correct our language. And he's trying to tell us things like this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. In other words, there are some things you should be speaking death to that you're instead you're speaking life to. You should be speaking death to the inferiority and the fear and the insecurity. But most of the time with our words, we keep it alive. And then you should be speaking life to other areas, and instead we speak death to it. So you will live up to or down to who you believe you really are. In counseling, they call it your, it's a big psychological term, they call it your personal truth. What you believe to be true about you. Who you believe God's called you to be. Who you believe he's anointed you to be. So Paul tells Timothy, 
do not let them despise you because when they despise you, you will neglect what God put on the inside of you. I know people in church that have let gifts lie dormant for years simply because of fear. Y'all awake this morning simply because of fear. I know people that have this burning passion when they were 20 to do something for the kingdom. Now they're 50 and they're doing nothing for the kingdom. It's not because it's not still in there. It's because fear is holding you back. And Paul gives Timothy an antidote. This is what he says. Don't let them despise you and don't neglect the gift that God's put on your life. But instead, Timothy, do this. Meditate on these things. Give yourself wholly to these things. Meditate on these things. Somebody say meditate. No, say it right. Meditate. Meditate on these things. Give yourself wholly to them. Meditate on these things. Paul is saying if you want to break fear off of your life, you have to find what God said about you, and then you have to meditate on these things. You have to give yourself wholly to them. I know I know. in our, in our American culture the word meditate gets a weird. I, I, I'm not talking about putting crystals on your fingertips and sitting at home. That's what I'm talking about. Let me say it this way. If you can worry, you can meditate. Because your worry is built and based out of your ability to meditate. Yeah. Let, me, let, me, let, me, let me break it down for you real plain. And, and you can look straight ahead and act like I ain't talking to you, but it's fine. Has somebody ever ticked you off real good? And you can't shake it? Come on, somebody. Don't act holy. You're like, hmm, hmm, let me ponder. You ever gotten just ticked off somebody? right? Can't shake it. You ever tried to pray mad at somebody? Father, I thank you. I did that. I, what? No. Have you ever had somebody say something to you that was smart aleck remark and it didn't hit you till later? You're like, did they say Oh, no. Oh, no. That ain't how we roll. No. That ain't how we roll. You ever been so, you ever drove down the road angry just driving, and you're having a pretend conversation. They ain't even in the car, but you're prepping. You're sermon prepping. I ain't getting no amens from Jesus' third cousin in here. You sermon prepping. And let me tell you something else about your mama and your kids are crazy too. And don't you ever step to me like that. You understand? And then you're just, just driving, just angry. You know what you're doing? You're meditating. Oh, no. Oh, no. Just walking around trying to pray, Father, I think I cannot believe. Oh, they ain't going to. And let me tell you something else I'm going to tell them. You're talking to your wife. I tell my wife all the time, honey, this scenario ain't even happened yet. <laughs> you're preparing for battle, and there's no battle yet. And then I'm going to tell them this. And I've had this on my mind for a while. Wasn't going to say nothing, but here's my opportunity. Then you walk into church. God, open the door. God, open the door to let me say what i got to say. God, i got to deliver this word. God, I'm going to set a boundary right now. You know what you're doing? You're meditating. You're rolling it over in your mind. You're revolving it in your mind like it matters. And do you know what happens the more you meditate? The more you feel that heat. <laughs> the Jesse Duplantis calls it Tabasco sauce going up and down your body. Can't think straight. Can't think straight. Somebody, somebody say something to you at work. You go home so angry. You slap the dog, kick the cat, drown the fish. You're just going off. Sits on you for three days. Some people that sits on them longer than that. Some people that sits on them for 20 years. 
They've meditated on it for 20 years. I've seen people still angry at people that are dead. Still can't get it off their mind. Can't get it. If I sat down with you, you could tell me in painful detail. You could, you could give me an account of minute detail. And then she said this. And then I came back with this and said, boom. And then she came back and said this. And I said, oh, yeah? Well, what about your cousin? And then she said this. And I said that. And I'm like, what? You're meditating on all the wrong things. You are exhausting your energy. You are exerting all the right effort in all the wrong places. And God is telling Timothy, that's exactly what you're supposed to do with what God said about you. Oh, hallelujah. Instead of you driving down the road, getting mad at what somebody at work said, you need to drive down the road. He said I was accepted in the beloved. He said I was called. He said I was anointed. He said I had an unction. He said this is who I am. I need somebody to shout with me right now. This is who God called me to be. Do you know what will happen? You know how when you meditate on those people that make you angry, how you start to go, oh. I, I, Christians want to resort to physical violence. I'm like, Calm, dude, have you ever read the Bible? Right? That, that, that heat. Because thought, thought fuels emotion. Emotion does not fuel thought. Thought fuels emotion. And words fuel feelings. And the reason you're getting so worked up about it, it's not because you're so worked up about it. It's because you're stirring yourself up about it. And God is saying, if you will get your mind off of what they said, Timothy, and if you will just meditate on what I said, you will stir up something else. You won't stir up anger in flesh. You'll stir up the gift of God that I put down on the inside of you. Another translation says, fan into flame the gift that God put down on the inside. How do you break fear? You break it by fanning into flame the gift that God put down on the inside of you. And when everybody's telling you you can't, you just step out and do everything God put in your belly to do fan into flame stoke the flame stir up the how do you break fear how do I break fear how do I break you stir up the gift of God how do I break intimidation that intimidation that holds you back I wrestled with intimidation for years I went through a season in my life I'd been preaching since I was 14 I felt like I knew everything I was ready to preach to the world going to change the world and I had a leader in my life that came into my life at a strategic moment and he started stripping little by little he would strip confidence from me little by little he would rip confidence from me well you're not as anointed as you think you are and you're not who you think you are and you're not as smart as you think you are he never told me I wasn't as good looking as I think I was because that's just undeniable people let's be honest about it. <laughs> Little by little, stripping the confidence away, chipping away at who I was. And it wasn't what he said about me that affected me. It's when, when I took what he said about me and I went home to my little rabbit hole and I started letting it sit in my mind and say, you know what? He might be right. You know what? Maybe I'm not called to do this. You know what? To the point that I had dreams of doing other things besides ministry. It had so warped my perspective that I thought, you know what? I'm never going to be able to do this. I'm never going to be called to do this. I must have just some little childish fantasy when I was 17, 18, 19 years old because I took that thought and I went to my little, and it worked on me. It starts to work on you. It's like leaven. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Just one unrighteous thought, one ungodly belief system that you take and you let lodge in your mind and your mind takes it and starts to ferment that thought it blows up into this intimidation where you can't even function and then they would say you want to preach this weekend and I would get up to preach and couldn't talk gripped paralyzed by fear and the grip 
of intimidation. And I remember one day I decided I'm coming out. I'm coming out. Number one, I cut off that relationship. Because anybody that speaks death to your purpose is never assigned to you to begin with. I didn't mean somebody that told you something you didn't want to hear. That's totally different. I'm talking about somebody that speaks death to who you believe God's called you to be. We used to raise up, we used to raise up Bible college students in our ministry, and, and, and there were some of them, yeah, they believed things that was just never going to happen, you know, like me believing I was going to play in the NBA. I'm 5'9 and white. Had to figure that out on my own. But I'd made up in my mind, I'm never going to talk down to somebody's dream. If it's not righteous, I will let the Holy Ghost police that, not myself. Because only the Holy Ghost can measure the grace and the truth and the appropriate proportions that's needed to not crush somebody's spirit and kill their hope. So I remember in my mind saying, I'm coming out of this, I'm getting out of this. And I started scouring the Bible, started reading the Bible, just reading, reading, reading. And then I found this gem, I found this gem in First Peter, or First Timothy. I find that Timothy's wrestling with the same issues I'm wrestling with. He's having this intimidation. God has put him in a position to lead, and he can't lead because he's so gripped by intimidation. Then God gave him the antidote. He said, this is how you break the intimidation. Instead of getting in an argument, instead of talking back and forth, it just do. Just be. Just stir up the gift. You ain't got to intellectually debate somebody over what God's put on your life. Just stir up. And while they're saying you can't, I'm too busy doing. Those that believe you can't, you should never allow interrupt you while you are. Right? You ever heard that statement, a man with an argument is never at the mercy of a man with an experience? So while, it, while, while you wrestle with the voices that say you can't fan into flame the gift, and the way you fan into flame the gift is you have to meditate on these things. Nothing, listen to me, let me get as practical as I can. Nothing in your life will change until your mind does. Your marriage will not change. You can trade the spouse you got in for a newer model. It will not change. Your kids will not change. Your career will not change. Your financial situation will not change until your mind changes. That's why God told, that's why Paul said in, in Romans, he said, don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transformed is where we get our Greek word and where we get our English word metamorphosis. He said, you can go through an entire metamorphosis if you just change the way you think. Change the way you think. Meditate on these things. If I could unscrew the top of your head and look down in it, I bet I would be shocked at what you meditate on, right? I would be shocked. Some of you, all you do is you meditate on your spouse's flaws. Can't cook. Can't cook. Burn the beans. Burn the toast. Burn the macaroni. Burn the boiling water. Try to boil water and burn it. You know what that leads to? I married the wrong one. I married the wrong one. I messed up. You know what that leads to? I'll find a biblical reason for divorce. I'll get out of this. I'll get out of this. You know how that happened? With a thought at a time. 
Because I told you last week, today's thought becomes tomorrow's bondage. You are living up to or down to everything you think about you. And if I could get your mind to shift, if I could get your mentality to shift, if I, looked, if I could screw up at the top of your head and look down in it, I think I would probably hear some of the same stuff Israel said. We were grasshoppers in their eyes and in our own. It wasn't their sin that kept them out. It was their intimidation that kept them out. That's why when Paul, 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 I'd say Paul every time. Paul, I was going to talk about the book of Joshua. That's why when Paul in the book of Joshua. That's why in the book of Joshua, this is what God tells Joshua before he goes and inherits the Cain. He goes and inherits Canaan land. That's what he says. That's all he says to him. He says it four times. Joshua, be courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Moses, my servant, is dead. But you, Joshua, you be courageous. Joshua, if you will be strong and of a good courage. In other words, Joshua, what held your, what held your predecessors back was fear. And all you have to do is be brave enough to take the leap. Because you'll never know what you got till you step out and do it. You'll never know what you're made of until you step out in the midst of the fear and the voices and the intimidation and the lies and all of the stuff that we allow people to pour into our lives. You will never know what you got until you wade through all of that. And you step out and you do it. You hearing what I'm saying? So don't let anybody despise you. Don't let anybody look down on you. Don't let anybody make you look down on yourself. Because when you do, you will neglect your gift. I know young people that are called to preach that are not preparing to preach because they're neglecting what God put on the inside of them. I know people that are called to lead worship that don't sing because they're neglecting the gift that God put down on the inside of them. What is the gift that's living on the inside of you that you pay no attention to? Y'all, li- y'all listen to what I'm saying? There are gifts down on the inside of you that you completely pay no attention to because you've learned to despise it. You've learned to look down on it. You've learned not to put the appropriate amount of weight on it. Some of you, you can write, but you wouldn't dare write because you don't believe you can. Some of you are great at administration, but you would never be involved in administration because you don't believe you can. Some of you could preach me under a rug, but you would never do it because you don't believe that you can. What, what's, what, what's, been, what's been neglected? If you, if you let them despise you, you will treat it as light. So the antidote, Timothy... You meditate. You meditate. When I was little, when I was coming out of this, when I was coming out of my fear, it's, I can already tell it's there's some people just not aggressive enough. You got sometimes you got to hit the psycho button to get set free. Somebody's like, no, you don't know what I'm talking about. You don't know what I'm talking about. No, you got to hit the psycho button. You ever hit the psycho button? Let something happen to your kids. You hit the psycho button. Right? Hmm? Am I right? Let something happen to your marriage. You'll hit the psycho button. Let something happen to you. You hit the psycho. Sometimes you got to get aggressive. Sometimes you get a, Sometimes you got to have a walk with God that you can't let anybody else see because it freak them out. <laughs> That's why they said in the book of Acts, they said, these men are drunk. Peter said, it's only 9 a.m. in the morning. They ain't drunk. 
they got a whole other set of problems. They ain't drunk. When I was coming out of this fear, I remember I wrote down, I, I took a sh- big sheet of paper. I wrote down every prophecy that the people had ever given me, ever given me, and I stuck it to my mirror. And every morning when I would go in there, I would look at what God had said about me, and I would start p- confessing that over my life. Yeah, I know he said this, but this is what God said. I know that leader told me this, but this is what God said. That's why he said in the book of Deuteronomy, you got to take the word, and you got to bind it like a frontlet in front of your eyes. So everywhere you move, all you see is the word. Yeah, I heard what you said, but this is what God said. Yeah, I know that's what you think, but I don't care what you think because this is what God, I need somebody to help me this morning. This is what God thinks about me. He's called me. He's anointed me. He's put a gift down on the inside of me. He's put ministry down in my belly. This is who I am. This is who I am. I said, this is who I am. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I'm seated in heavenly places. I'm full of authority. I'm full of, what'd you say? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't hear that because that's how you get. See, y'all, y'all too white for me. I'm telling y'all too white for me. Y'all hearing what I'm saying? You got to get aggressive. You got to get a little crazy. You got to hit a little bit of a psycho button that says, I'm coming out of this because I'm not going to go to my grave not having fulfilled everything that God put down on the inside of me. There's too much promise. There's too much purpose. There's too much anointing that I got to release into a city that... Stand on your feet. Stand on your feet. I'm trying my best. Stand on your feet. Come on, stand on your feet. Hallelujah. You gotta, that's, I was going to title this message. I was going to entitle this message, Breaking the Spirit of Fear. I think I'm going to change it to hit the psycho button. Huh? You got to hit the psycho button. You want your finances to change? No, y'all ain't ready. You want your finances to change? Don't go home whining about, I need a raise, I need a raise. Go home, put your checkbook on the floor. Put your checkbook on the floor and just start walking around it and say, I got more than enough. I got more than enough. I'm the head and not the tail. He has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. He is El Shaddai. My cup runs over. I have more than enough. got to hit the psycho button. Y'all know, y'all know a powerful minister over in, over in Georgia named Creflo Dollar? You know what I'm talking about? Powerful, powerful man of God. I don't care what you think about him. He's powerful. And I know people don't like word of faith teaching. You can preach fear all you want. I'm going to preach faith. Right? Creflo Dollar, I remember one time he got diagnosed with prostate cancer. He got diagnosed with prostate cancer. If we got that diagnosis, we'd walk home defeated. I guess I'm going to die. I guess this is it. My time's up. He walked home. He said, listen, honey, talking to his wife. He said, listen, honey, I'm going to go in my prayer room. Okay? Don't knock on the door. I don't want anything to eat. And I'm not coming out. I'm not coming out. Till I get my healing. Woo! Woo! Glory to God. You want your husband saved? It's not gonna get saved by Lord. Just do your work. You gotta hit the psycho button. You gotta hit the while he's asleep. 
walking around the coffee table. He's a man of God. Oh, I call purpose out of him in Jesus' name. Quit complaining about all of his faults. He's living up to what you're confessing over him. I wish he would stop. I wish you would stop saying that, and then he would stop. You're giving him a reputation to live up to. Well, he's lazy, and he's no good, and he's just like his daddy. Yeah. Because you're speaking life to something you should be speaking death to. You've got to hit the psycho button. What a bizarre title for a sermon. Got to hit the psycho button. Right? You want to become everything God's called you to do? You got to walk around your little prayer room at home. Say, fear no more. Intimidation, not another day. Not another day. I am tired of feeling less than. I'm tired of walking into a room full of strong leaders and cowering in the corner, being gripped and feeling like I don't belong to be there. No, I belong to be there because of who God's called me to be. You got to hit the psycho button. Got to hit the psycho button. Huh? You want your job to explode? Don't even, don't even complain about your boss. Go above him to his boss. Do you get the metaphor? Just walk around and say, nobody can hold me back from the purpose of God. My boss, the boss that don't like me, the coworkers that don't like me, the supervisor that hates me because I'm too Christian, can't nobody hold me back. Can't nobody hold me back. God will do it in spite of him. Can't nobody hold me back. I'm afraid fear is holding us back. And fear has a gravitational pull. Has a gravitational pull. Tugs on you constantly. And the only way to break a gravitational pull, you ever seen airplanes take off? They break that gravitational pull. The only way to break that pull is you got to explode out of it. Let me put it another way. You got to hit... <laughs> On the podcast, we will put a different title. But for the people in this room, you got to meditate on these things. This is who I am. I ain't got time to list all the other stuff. It's who I am. I know mama was broke and daddy was broke and uncle was divorced and pappy was an alcoholic. But that is not who I am. That is not who I am. And I'm going to meditate. I'm going to meditate. Every time somebody prophesies over you, you need to write it down. Read it every day. You know what that will do on the inside of you? That's why your Bible said David encouraged himself. Didn't need anybody else's help. He encouraged himself and got so fired up, he said, my God, I could run through a troop and leap over a wall. Most of you in here, you've probably experienced that at some point in your life. You'll be alone just in your prayer time, and you'll just be declaring and speaking things. Sometimes you ain't got to pray about it. Sometimes you got to speak to it. You know, in John 14, when Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That word ask is not make a request. That word ask is demand. If you speak to something in my name, then I will perform it. If you speak to that fear in my name, then I will break it. If you speak to that intimidation in my name, then I will break it. We're praying about things we should be speaking to. He didn't say pray about the mountain. He said look the mountain in the eyeball. And speak to it. 
It's holding you back. It's holding you back. That gravitational pull. Tugging at you. Tugging at you. You ever done that in your prayer time? You just start speaking things. God starts giving you something. You start speaking. And all of a sudden, you just feel this, this whale of boldness come up on the inside. You know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all have no idea what I'm talking about. Some of you do know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about? That's called meditating. Stirring up the gift on the inside of you. Breaking free from every limitation. Because those limitations... That's not who you are. You are everything he said and not one thing less or contrary. And we have a tendency to focus on everything that is wrong with us. And God has a tendency to focus on everything that's right with us. <laughs> Y'all are so funny. Y'all are like... Gonna get it right. We're gonna get it. We're gonna get the culture right. I'm gonna make sure we get the culture right. Or it'll just be me and Al shouting. Amen. Hope this encouraged you today. Because all the stuff you believed, it's not who you are. I told you that story about that young lady. She was acting out in all those ways. She was she was dating, sleeping around with all those men, trying to break the identity. Finally, she gave in to who she thought she was. Jumped into a full-blown lesbian relationship. Got engaged to her girlfriend. They were about to get married. Then she came to a conference and got delivered by the power of God. Listen. listen, listen. First time she had been to church in years. That weekend that she came, she signed up. She's coming to Bible college, the Bible college we ran. She came to Bible college. She didn't stay one year. She stayed two years. She's engaged to a young man that's also graduating Bible college. And they're going to do ministry together. Because the lies were holding her back. But Jesus broke through with truth. And now she's becoming everything God's called her to become. Would you give Jesus a shout? This morning.